Well, good morning, everybody. All right, it's so good to see you guys out here today, and Merry Christmas, day after Christmas. There we go. All right, we still got the Christmas spirit. It's uh, <laughs> we we still got something. We we want to have some Christmas cheer all year long, I guess. But uh, anyways, I'm thankful for you guys here being with us today. Hope you all had a, a very Merry Christmas, and um, it wasn't exactly a white Christmas out there, but. It was a windy one and a warm one, so we'll take it. There's always next year, I guess. I don't know. Uh, who knows what New Year's will hold? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, we start praying, right? Um, anyways, uh, a couple quick things about uh, for announcements. Lots going on this week. We're closing out the year and starting a new one. Um, didn't know if you knew that or not, but you're going to have to start changing the date on, on everything you write, and that's going to be tough, so it's, it's not easy. So start getting your break, 2022, 2022. But anyways... Um, we are continuing and finishing up our Nehemiah Wall Builders Prayer Initiative. And that's going through uh, December 31st. We've got a sign-up sheet in the back where we've asked folks who want to be a part of it and want to help out and want to pray to take just 15 minutes and just to sign your name either morning or evening. And we've got a few slots left open for this week to finish off. We would love for you to be uh, a part of that. God has been answering prayers. Uh, great things have been taking place and uh, so thankful for what God has done through it. Um, but to add to it, I said last week, we're going to be kind of adding, uh, some challenge to it. And this is going to be a challenge for y'all and a challenge for me as well. All right. So we're going to challenge each other in this. I think we need that, especially with our prayer walks and our prayer lives that to be there for one another, as well as to challenge each other. Um, so this week as this week, all right, starting tomorrow, all right, Monday through Friday, all right, Monday through Friday this week, uh, from the 27th to 31st, nine o'clock doors are going to be open and you come on in the sanctuary if you want to come and, uh, and pray. All right, so every day this week from Monday through Friday, join me this week in Sanctuary if you want to come, 9 o'clock to pray. Don't have to stay long, nothing formal. If you got to come, pray and, and skedaddle, come pray and skedaddle. But 9 o'clock every morning this week, the Sanctuary is going to be open up uh, for prayer. And to be quite honest with you, it's open up every week. If you ever want to just stop by, get a cup of coffee, shoot the breeze, thumb your nose at me and, and maybe pray or something, it, it's wide open, right? We'd love to have you, okay? It, it's always open. Um, and then as well, though, to, to cap off this challenge, to cap off our, our prayer initiative, on December 31st uh, at 11.30 p.m., yes, p.m., all right? Uh, that night at 11.30 on New Year's Eve, uh, we're going to be having our midnight prayer meeting, okay? Uh, at 11.30, midnight prayer meeting at 11.30. I don't know how that works, but it works, okay? Uh, but, <laughs> but midnight prayer meeting at 11.30 that night. Meet here. The doors will be open. Uh, we're going to have a time of prayer and then to pause to ring in the new year. And, uh, and, and pray our way into the new one. And so if you want to join, uh, it, feel free to come out. If you can't join, pray sometime because we know most of us are going to fall asleep before 10 o'clock hits anyways, and you won't know it's uh, the new year until you see the 1 o'clock or something blinking on your, on your alarm or something. But, but anyways, um, if you want to be able to join, if you want to join us, uh, make time and uh, come join us for some prayer that night. And uh, it'd be great to end our year praying and to start our year praying. And I believe that's what's going to get us through all of 2022, 2023, and all the way through life, truly. Um, then a couple other things. Next uh, Sunday will be um, our Vision Sunday. And so they'll be dealing with uh, our vision for 2022 and beyond, uh, preaching uh, that 1030 and 6, uh, 630 that evening as well. And then our annual uh, church business meeting on January the 9th at 630. Um, so lots going on here, prepping for the new year and as well for the new year. There are new offering boxes on the back table where you can have um, offering slips that have the date for each Sunday throughout 2022. If you want those, 
Those are in the back, so make sure you get you one if you want one, all right? Lots going on, but I thank you, each one, for being here with us today. And as well, um, we, we will not have Children's Church um, today. Uh, we had um, oh, both of our, our workers are, are, are out today, so... Um, but anyways, if you have a need of anything, we can slip you out the back door. we got nursery. We can get you where you need to go and, and get you help that you need uh, help for, all right? So the rest of y'all are going to be stuck with me today. All right? But uh, let's pray this morning. Let's ask God to help us and uh, to bless this service in this day. And uh, let's uh, reflect our hearts on what all God has done this past year and uh, what God's about to do in this new year as well. Uh, let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, uh, grateful for each one that's here. Uh, Lord, we thank you for uh, allowing us to gather and to meet, to worship, and and to praise you today. I do pray, God, that you would clear our hearts and our minds of any distractions, any cares or or worries that that might be there. And God, that we would simply focus on you, Lord. We'd focus on your son, Jesus Christ. We'd focus on his cross. We'd focus on what he's done for us, Lord, to to bring us from darkness into light. God, I pray that you would help our hearts today to be filled by you, or that our hearts would be overflowing with worship and with gratitude. God, that today that we would sing your praises, that we would uh, finish off this, this year, Lord, and, and not in relief that it's over, but rather in gratitude that, that you've worked and been good and faithful all throughout it, and that you'll continue to be uh, the very same God in this new year. Lord, I pray that you would help our hearts today now, and that everything that is said and done, sung and spoken today would bring you glory and honor. But we love you and we thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. If you're able, please stand as we sing hymn number 262, Away in a Manger. Luke 2.7 says, She, that's Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and laid him in a manger. Away in a manger. Continue singing hymn number 265, the first Noel. Luke 2.11 says, Unto you is born 
this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The first Noel. The first Noel the angel did say was to certain poor shepherds and fields as they lay and fields were Seventy-two. While shepherds watch their flocks, Luke two eight. All our scripture verses in Luke this morning. There were shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. While shepherds watch their flocks by night, all seated on. sit down, make everyone feel welcome, wave, turn around, smile, and speak to everybody, and then you may be seated. We got to have a little fellowship. It's all right to smile in God's house in the church, because 
I know God's got a sense of humor. He made me. You know, I think he thinks about that often and smiles. <laughs> or laughs one or the other. I'm just picking, just kidding. But it is good to smile in God's house. If you would, bow your head and pray with me as we go to the Lord and ask his blessings on today's service and ask him to speak to our heart and ask that we can glorify him and honor him in everything said and done, singing and preaching here today. Pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we love you because you first loved us. Thank you, Lord, for these all these days you've given us in 2021. And uh, we thank you and praise you for all your blessings of 2021. And Lord, we just thank you for, most of all, for dying for us on the cross, shedding your perfect, sinless, innocent body and blood on that old rugged cross. We praise you for that. Praise you for your goodness and your wholeness and your righteousness and all your glory and all your majesty. Father, we ask, Lord, you'd meet with us here today as we come into your house and to assemble together and worship the true and living, only true and living God. Please, please accept our worship and as we worship you in spirit and in truth. And we pray, Father, that you would bless our pastor and fill him with your uh, wisdom and spirit and give him a freshness, Lord, to proclaim the great truths from your word. And, Lord, that, that uh, hearts be changed and Lord we'd be convicted of sin in our lives and be challenged and that our hearts would change from just hearing the preaching of your word by the foolishness of preaching Lord people can be saved hearts can be changed and we just thank you and praise you again for this time please bless in Jesus name we pray amen okay I'm going to ask you to stand again Hymn number 278, 278, we do not have a special today in case you're thinking I messed up, usually I do mess up, but I didn't this time. <laughs> we have our special singer is sick, so y'all pray for Miss Cammie as she's not able to be here today. And uh, as we sing, angels we have heard on high, Luke 2.13, there was... With the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. This song, let's praise God on this song. Angels, we have heard on high.
song. You may be seated. Now, join with me as we give our pastor a nice hand. Appreciate the singing and the worship this morning. <clears throat> Grateful for each one of you. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Philippians chapter number 3. Philippians chapter number 3 this morning. <laughs> Having my notes and sometimes you have to put things to uh, get yourself um, started in your introduction. Uh, not often does the preacher share with you exactly what's written, but <laughs> I want to share with you this and maybe it will help. Share your heart, you blubbering buffoon. <laughs> I'm the blubbering buffoon. This is written to me. Uh, so, this has been a year, a difficult year, a difficult two years, maybe a difficult three, four, five, six years for you, I don't know. I know in learning the history of the church, it has been a difficult one. This year has not been easy. Uh, it's certainly understandable how difficult it has been, and to be honest, it is even unimaginably at times difficult for many people, not just as a church, but individually. There have been those who have spent the holidays this past fall with Thanksgiving and Christmas for the first time without a loved one. There have been those who have uh, gone without. There are those who have struggled. There are those who have a, a multitude of different circumstances this year. And we could go on and on and on about how difficult this year, how tough it might have been, but you know something, we could go on and on and on about how good God has been, how faithful He has been. Today, as we come to this, this passage, we come to the Scripture, and we come to the end of a year, and the beginning of a new year, I want us to truly understand that we are at the precipice of something I believe can be extraordinary of what God can do in this place. Through people who are simply willing, through people who are simply humbly seeking God and God alone, who, who put everything else aside and make... Make much of, of Christ. I believe that, that God will be in that and God will honor that. What is difficult, though, is as you look at a year that this church and that many of you individually have gone through privately, publicly, you go, where do I go from here? How do I take the next step? What does my new year look like? I don't know what the new year looks like, to be honest with you. I, I can't tell you the future. Right? I don't have a crystal ball to tell you what it might look like. Uh, none of those things. What I do know, though, is this. This year is gone. What, what has happened even yesterday or even already this morning, it, it's gone and, and there's no getting it back. And there's no changing it. And there's no sense in trying neither. And there is a new year that we cannot fully control, that we cannot fully understand, that we cannot fully wrap our minds around, but we can simply walk into it and moving forward. As a church and as individuals, I want us to personally <clears throat> and publicly honor the past Live in the present and pray for the future. Notice that. Honor the past, live in the present, and pray for the future. We are not done yet. You are not done yet. You individually, regardless of what you've gone through this year, what you've seen this year, the heartaches you face this year, you are not done yet. Yet, the church of God is not done yet. If it was, we wouldn't be here. Church will be canceled. Church will be closed. We are not done yet because God is not done yet. And therefore, for Victory Way Baptist Church, regardless of what the past looks like, 
regardless of past victories, past failures, past heartaches, past difficulties, God is not done yet. And we are here at a time where I believe that we need the words of the Apostle Paul here today. He says in Philippians chapter number 3, we're going to be looking at verse 12 to 14 today. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend, for that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want to reread verse 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, I come to you this morning and ask for your strength, for your spirit to fill us in this place today. God, that today, regardless of whatever has happened in our past, good, bad, or ugly, righteous or unrighteous, holy or unholy, God, that we would now turn and have a focus and fix our eyes upon you and you alone. God, that today, for the hearts that are in this place today that are hurting, from the past, from even just this year and the things that they've seen, the things that they have heard, the things that they have experienced, the things that have broken their heart. God, I pray that now that You would fix their hearts and their eyes and everything upon You and God that hearts would be mended, hearts would be, would be fixed and families would be fixed, that people would be delivered today from sin, people would be delivered today from their issues and their life today, even for just a moment, God that it would just be You, us, Your Word, and Your Spirit. Lord, help us today to seek You, God, that You would have Your will and Your way. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. This is a new Sunday, a new day, a new opportunity. If you are alive today, is everyone alive out there today? All right, good. If not, just have someone check in on you every now and again, all right? Uh, If you're alive today, this is for you. You are not dead, you are not done, that this is a new Sunday, a new day, a new opportunity, and we're approaching a new year even if the Lord tarries and lets us get there, because we don't know if we're going to make it the next five days. We've got a Monday through Friday prayer uh, time here planned, but the Lord might very well come this afternoon, I don't know. You might take your last bite of chicken this afternoon and God calls us out of here. Praise God, what a way to go out. Amen, right? I go with two, two fistfuls of chicken, I'm going up with a chicken leg in each hand, praise God. Nevertheless, we know this, that time is short, whether it be because of our death or because of Christ's return. And I would ask us today, what will we do with it? Will we live in the past and not for the future? Will we wish we could just go back to how things were? If I had a dollar for every time I've heard myself or someone else say in the church of God, in many churches, by the way, say, if we could just get back to how it used to be, it'd be fine. You know what? I want you to know this. Going into 2022, if I could do anything, if I could make it go back to every, it just as the way it was, I, I, I can't, first of all. And secondly, I, I wouldn't and I won't. It cannot and it will not and it must not because we are now going into a new year where God is going to be doing things in us and through us in ways that we have not done yet. And I believe it's going to happen because we submit ourselves to Him in prayer. 
We submit to His Word. We submit to this high calling, and we continue to press forward. Rearview mirrors are not for driving, they're for glancing. Anyone who drives staring at their rearview mirror is not going to get too far. They might. They, they might hit a ditch and go, go flying. I don't know. They might make it real far, but they're not going to be on the road. They're not going to be on the straightener. They're not going to be on the path that, that is leading to where they're supposed to be going. The first thing that we need, and we're going to find it here in verse 12, is right discernment. Discernment is missing from today. I'm not talking about just discernment from what is good teaching, what is bad teaching, what is good music or bad music or this or that and the other. I'm talking about discerning of where we are, discerning the times. Jesus said to the Pharisees and he said to the religious elite of his day, he said, you can look at the sky and say it's red in the morning. It's going to be rough seas. It's going to be rough weather later, right? He says, you can tell the signs of the weather, but you cannot even see that I, God in the flesh, am standing before you. I'm afraid that many of our believers today can see many things except for what they need to see. We look and we stare and we glance or we obsess over things that don't matter to the hill of beans, that, that don't affect our lives today and aren't going to affect them moving forward. And we stay so focused on things that do not matter or do not or should not affect us now that it overwhelms us and it keeps us from moving forward. As a matter of fact, it moves us backwards. And it's because... We need this discernment first. Look at what Paul says. He says, first of all, that you have not arrived yet and neither had he. So you know what? Where, where is our destination? We're going to see it here a little bit. Our destination is heaven. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. We are nothing but pilgrims. We're not going to stay here forever. We, we are just living in temporary bodies in a temporary world but we are going to live for eternity in one of two places. One, we're going to live with Christ, our Lord and Savior, our Redeemer, our King, our, our Helper, our Good Shepherd, the, the one who laid down His life for us, the one who literally put on flesh as we've just celebrated at Christmas to come and to die on the cross for our sins, to shed His blood, the, the innocent one for the guilty ones to be raised again on the third day according to the Scriptures to offer life to all who will believe. Not just physical life, but we're talking about spiritual life, eternal life, life that will not be taken away, life that you will not lose, but an eternal life that has been a gift of God through the blood of Christ to you. And all that you can do is simply receive it by faith alone. But there is another eternity waiting. There is an eternity where others who have not done such will live. And that is a place, a literal place, a very literal place. As literal as heaven is literal, so is hell. It is a place of outer darkness, a place where the worm dieth not, where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, a place where God does not desire for you to go. That's exactly why He sent His Son at Christmas to die for your sins, to come to make a way when there was no way, to offer you the opportunity to go from the broad way to the narrow way. That is what is being offered to you today. That is it. Eternity. You know what matters? Eternity. But we must discern that this is not about this world and that none of us have arrived yet because we're not in heaven yet in case you're wondering. Look around. If this is heaven, right? Whew. Heaven's far greater than this. Heaven is far greater than this. What the church is supposed to be like and the worship service is supposed to be like is just a little, a little taste of heaven. Just a little snack. Just a little glimpse of what the glory of heaven is supposed to be like. The fellowship the worship, the, the presence of God Himself. And I believe we're missing all those in our church today, especially since the old C word COVID came into town. We have forsaken those things. We've stopped caring about those things, but if we're going to move forward, if God's going to do anything with us, it's going to be because we get back to those very things. We must be able to discern where we have been 
That's our history. That's our past. Even our recent history and our recent past, even just this past year. For some of us, and even for the church, it's tough and difficult. We must be able to discern where we've been. We must be able to discern where we are. Where am I right now? Where is your heart right now? Where are you spiritually right now? Not where did you used to be. Not where did the church used to be. Not where did things used to be. But where are you right now? Where are we right now? And third, we must be able to discern where we're going. We've got to know where we're going if we're going to get there, don't we? That's right. We, we've, got to have, we've got our destination of heaven in mind. We know where that is. We know we're going to get there. But now we've got to discern our way to get there. Not by our good works, but simply by clinging to the cross of Christ. Anyone ever use a GPS? All right, a couple of us. The rest of you guys got all the maps figured out. Y'all, y'all have been here since before Carroll County had any roads, right? You, you know these roads, right? Think about this. We need GPS every now and again, don't we? Tell us where we're going. Tell us how to get there. Now, GPSs can be good things. Sometimes they're not so good things. Kim and I just went on vacation, and we were taking a little ride, and we were on Dollywood Lane, all right? Dollywood Lane, where do you think it would take you to? All right, not, not everybody at one time. Where do you think it would take you to? Dollywood, right? Guess where it took us? Not, not to Dollywood. We ended up at the top of a mountain where they're building these cabins, twists and turns, and then it says, Go down this dirt rock road that you need a four-wheel drive. There's a big sign that says four-wheel drive only, caution at your own risk. And the GPS is telling us, go down that one. <laughs> I'm not going down that. We're turning around. Then we turn around we go back. We didn't go to Dollywood. Uh, we just wanted to see the lights because I'm not paying that lady 80 bucks a pop to go in and look at Chris's lights. Are you kidding me? I just want to drive by. I'm cheapskate like that. We had a good time anyways, but the GPS told us so, some wrong things. It told us where we had been. It told us where we were supposed to go, but we didn't get there. And it told us where we were at that moment. And where we were was getting ready to go down a mountain on a dirt road, and we weren't going there. Heaven is our destination. And the GPS always says one thing when you reach your destination. It says you have arrived at your destination, right? And if you haven't, it says take a U-turn, take an exit. What are you doing? Listen to me. <laughs> You're not there yet. The Apostle Paul knew something, and this is the Apostle Paul talking here, and he says, I'm not there yet. If you think that you've spiritually arrived, guess what? You ain't. You ain't. That you're looking at a, at a pastor here, I've not arrived. I, if you would have told me years ago that I'd be standing in front of people with a Bible open and a tie on choking me, that's why I undo this stupid button, I'd have said, you're crazy. It don't happen. I wouldn't want it. God has His way. I've not arrived because I have a tie on and because I open up the Bible to preach. Deacons haven't arrived yet because they do what deacons do. Greeters haven't arrived yet because they're greeters. Counters haven't arrived yet because they're counters. Anyone who serves in the church has not arrived yet because they do whatever they do. And if you think that you have spiritually arrived, you haven't even spiritually begun. Are we there yet? No, we have not arrived. Paul says here, not as though as I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that. They apprehend that which also I am apprehended for Christ. Paul says, I have not yet attained and I am not yet perfect. If you need to know anything to start this message off, it is this. You have not yet attained. You are not yet perfect. Right? This is where moms and dads say amen to the kids and the wives say amen to the husbands and the husbands say amen to the wives and everything else. 
We know that everyone else isn't perfect, but the issue is that we all think that we ourselves have somehow been better than everyone else. We judge our goodness based on if we're gooder than somebody else, not based on the goodness and holiness of God. That's why we get it twisted. That's why we begin to think, oh, I'm doing good because I, I, I read my Bible once this week. I, I prayed over my meals, I, even out in public. Right? Oh, right? And we think, oh, we have arrived. I must be doing something for God. And, and little do we know that we're just checking things off a checklist, going through the motions, and the Spirit's not in it. We're, we haven't prayed, truly prayed about anything. We're truly actually far from God. We're not there yet like we think we are. Paul has not reached heaven yet, and he knows it. He remains justified, yet not glorified. And I want to read the earlier verses starting in, in verse number 4. If anyone could have said, I've arrived yet, it was Paul. He says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Let me break that down for you. He says, you think you got something to glory in your flesh? You think you're religious? You think you're good? You think you're worthy of God? You think you're worthy of heaven? Oh, I got you beat, buddy. And he goes on to tell exactly how he's got every one of us beat. None of us, the Apostle Paul. I'm not an apostle. I'm not the Apostle Paul. And guess what? Neither are you. But neither are we called to be. We're called to be like Christ. We're never going to be perfect, but one day there's coming a day when we do reach our destination and we see the beautiful side of, of the glory of heaven that says you've arrived at your destination. We don't have to do any more U-turns or more exits and we're there before our Savior. Then we'll be glorified. Never to sin, never to fail our Savior again. And here's what Paul says. Here's his checklist. And I'm sure right now there might be someone in this very room today who's got their own checklist. I've gone in this church X amount of years. I've served on X amount of committees. I've been this. I've been in charge of this. I've run that committee. I've run that ministry. I've done all these things. I've given X amount of money, and I know because I got the IRS tickets. I've done all these things. But my grandma built this church. My granddad built this church. Uh, so-and-so, or I'm related to so-and-so, or, or you got your checklist. Go ahead. If you've got that checklist right now in your mind, I want you to go ahead and ball it up. Put it in the trash. Like trash on fire. Because it's worth nothing. It does not matter who you are, what you've done in this church, out of this church. It doesn't matter. All that matters is Christ. Because if you've got your checklist in your mind already that says, well, I must be good, then what you've got is a checklist of your own good works that at the very top should just say dung and worthless. Because we've got nothing to offer Christ except for our sins, except for a life that needs saving, except for a heart that needs changing. Paul says, in his checklist, if you want to talk about flesh, he says, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, in Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. You didn't get any more gooder at following the law than being a Pharisee. They were the best, the most religious. They, they followed all the laws. They even said, hey, the Old Testament's got a lot of laws, but we'll make up some more that we can follow too just to show how good we are. That's exactly what they did. He says, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, concerning zeal, he was persecuting the church, touching the righteous which is of the law, blameless. There was nothing that you could look at Paul and say, oh man, what a filthy, rotten sinner. No, they would look at Paul and go, what a Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a champion of the Jews. He persecutes the church of Jesus. What a mighty man for the Jewish people. Instead, he says, in verse 8, or excuse me, verse 7. 
But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. He says, being circumcised on the eighth day and being of the tribe of, of Benjamin, being a, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, being a Pharisee, uh, being a, a persecutor of the church, and being a, this trophy Jewish man and figure and leader, it's worth nothing. Count it all loss. So that I might win. That I might gain Christ. Christ is all He needs. Christ is all He wants. Christ is everything to Paul. And many of us are still holding on to all of our checklists. Many of us are still holding on to what we've done, maybe personally, maybe publicly in the church, maybe even holding on to what our church has done in its past, throughout its history. And by the way, it's coming up about, I believe, according to a pencil I found in my office that said in 2002 of March was 30 years. That means we're coming up close on 50. Someone else can correct me. You might be able to, but nevertheless, we've been around a good little ways, ain't we? That's good. But guess what? Christ is everything. He says in verse 9, and be found in Him not having mine own righteousness. If anyone could have said they've got righteousness, it would have been Paul. And he says, I've got none. He says, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. How do you get righteousness? How can you obtain it? How can you be righteous? Only by faith in Christ. Not faith in your works. Not faith in what you used to be. Not faith in what you used to done. Not faith in what the church used to do. But faith in what Christ has done and accomplished once and for all, forever and forever. Amen. He says that I may know Him. God, that we would know what Paul knows and have what Paul has here. Paul doesn't say, I want to be in charge of a committee. He doesn't say, I want to lead the biggest ministry of the church. He doesn't say, I want to have the biggest church on the block or the biggest church in the county. He says that I may know Him. Paul's goal is to know Christ. It's not to build his own kingdom. It's not to show how good he is. It's to know Jesus and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. You know what the goal for you, dear Christian, today? You know what your purpose right now in life is that you should be fulfilling? You know what your, your desire of your heart should be? To know Christ. To know Him. To know the power of His resurrection in your life. To know the fellowship of His sufferings. To be conformed unto His death. To bear the cross of Christ. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. He's waiting for that day and he knows he's not there yet. Paul still needs the conviction. He still needs the chastening. He still needs the unction. And, and, and he still needs the, the go from the Holy Spirit. As one commentator writes, he still needs their, their prayers and the Holy Spirit according to verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 19, to live as one branded by the cross. It tells us, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And this is one of my, my favorite verses. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, 
that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And nearly 2,000 years later, nearly every believer, including myself, I know, has lost such a heart. He desires to be made conformable unto His death, conformable unto Christ. The sad truth is though that most of our Christian hearts today that have been churched so long is that they're no longer conformable. We've grown cold and hard-hearted. Oh, that God would change our hearts and warm them up. That He might that we might be pliable again. We might be willing to change for God. That we might be willing to let God change us and even break us if that's what we need. And I very much believe in the past couple years, God has had to do some breaking. But where God does some breaking and some starting anew and starting afresh, He does so to build back something beautiful. By His own hands, by His own power, by His own might, by His own goodness for His own purpose, for His own glory. First of all, and so we're really continuing that, then he, sanctification takes place here. He, he knows it's a process. He knows that Paul, as good as he's been and as much as he knows and all the things that he's done for Christ, he's still slowly being conformed to the image of Christ. Your sanctification is not a just like that process. Salvation, like that. Sanctification. Long and drudging, and difficult, then you die. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Glorification. Amen. But we're right here. We're right here in the nasty now and now in this old mud ball we call earth, still trying to get through day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, not knowing how many years, months, and weeks, and days we've got, knowing that Christ's return is imminent, and what will we do with it? Most of the time what we do with it is we go, I sure wish it was like yesterday. I wish I felt like I did yesterday. I wish it was like it used to. God is here today. God is in the present. We must discern such. Paul says, I want to apprehend that which I've been apprehended by. He wants to be apprehended to then apprehend. He says, but I follow after if that I may apprehend, to follow after, literally, it's to, to chase after, it's to go after. To follow after, it's in the active, it, it's continuous. It's to pursue, to obtain like a hunter. Gives the idea even of, of a long-distance foot race, right? That's not, anyone do that today? No? I see people jogging, like, what are you, somebody chasing you? Are you okay? Right? I, I'm not built for that. For, for speed, I'm built for comfort. Right? I'm a minivan. <laughs> Most of us out there are today. But you know something? Each one of us is running a race. A long, enduring, difficult, painful race. But we're still called to run. And we're not called to quit. We're not called to, well, you know, I, I just got to, let me just slow down. I've run enough in my life. I've run enough for Christ in my life. I'm old now. I, I can't run no more. The only time your race is over is when you're no longer here. The, the race will be over for you and you can stop running when you run into the arms of Christ. And we haven't done that quite yet. Christ had apprehended, 
which also means to pursue and overtake, to chase and to capture, or even to lay hold on. Christ had laid hold onto Paul. In Acts chapter 26, Paul is before King Agrippa. And he says in verse 12, Whereupon as I went on to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at, at midday, O king, high noon, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things which I will appear unto thee, delivering unto thee the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Amen. God takes and apprehends Paul there on that Damascus road, a Jew of Jews, a Jew persecuting believers in Christ, the most persecuted, uh, the, most, uh, the, the biggest persecutor of the church there was to then become the, the biggest preacher in the church that there is. It never has been. God takes somebody who thought they were somebody, crushes them, breaks them, and says, I've got something better for you. That year might have been this. For your own life. For our own nation. Salvation here is found in Jesus laying hold upon Paul, laying hold upon us by His grace so that we may do the same by His grace. As Barclay writes, everyone is grasped by Christ for some purpose. Therefore, we should all press on throughout our lives so that we may grasp that purpose for which Christ grasped us. Let me ask you, before we move any further, have you been captured by the grace of God? And if you have been saved, you've been captured there at your salvation, let me ask you this. Those of you who have been saved umpteen different years, you've been in this church longer than this building's been here, let me ask you, does Christ still captivate you? Is Christ still enough to captivate your heart? To captivate your thoughts? To captivate your prayer life? To captivate the reason why you even come? Because if that's not the case, Look afresh and look anew. Discern where you're at. Discern where you've been. And discern that Christ would have you turn to Him. And may Christ apprehend your heart now again. That we might be captive to His grace. Captive by it. Before we move forward, we must be captured by the grace of Christ. And then we can move into verse 13, the right direction. Everyone wants to move in the right direction. Directions around here normally don't get used with GPS. It's normally, hey, friend, can you tell me how to get there? Right? And it's, well, you head the right direction. Go, go that way. Right? That's about it. That's directions around here. Remember where the old barn burned down and that sort of thing? You're going the right direction. You're headed the right direction. Many of us often think we're headed the right direction and we're actually turned around. We're quite lost. Those without Christ are not headed in the right direction. They're quite lost. They're going in circles. They're in a wilderness and they need to be saved and to be set on the right path in the right way. And I believe as a church and as ourselves individually, many of us and probably most of us today need to be set back on the right direction. Where are we going? He says in verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. So we've already talked about. He 
She says, I'm not there yet. She says, but this one thing I do. And really, in the Greek, it's but one thing. One thing. This is the big thing. Forgetting those things which are behind. and Reaching forth unto those things which are before. First of all, let's deal with the phrase, forgetting those things which are behind. This is the hardest thing that you and I can probably possibly ever do in our Christian walk in life. Forgetting those things which are behind. We hear the phrase that we might forgive. I'll forget. Say that phrase, right? Let's not pretend we haven't said it ourselves. The issue with moving forward is that we often don't move forward because we refuse to forget those things which are behind. The phrase literally means that the past no longer has an influence or a hold on the present. I'm afraid that for many churches, the past still has such a hold that it controls and dictates the present. I'm afraid for many believers today that are even here in this room that your past, either your past sins, your past failures, your past mistakes have such a hold on you that that you don't even know what to do, how to live today, let alone you don't think that you're worthy of moving forward. I'm afraid that there's even another group that has so many victories in the past and they've done so many good things in the past that today it's got such a grip and affects them today that they go, well, I've just got to just go back to the good old days. The good old days are today because today is all we got. That's it. Forgetting those things which are behind. It has been said, looking back is sure to end in going back. Jesus preached about this, and he was a much harder, far greater preacher than I will ever be. Luke chapter 9, verse 62, he is talking about discipleship, what it means, and he comes to the end of this, and one had just said to him in the previous verse, another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto them, No man having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom. We spend more time looking back in our past, at our past mistakes, at our past failures, and even at our past good old days of triumphs and and victories than we do going, God, what would you have me do today? God, I'm alive today. Use me today. God, where are we going in the future? And I believe there's many churches, unfortunately, that are going to close their doors in the next three to five years because they're driving backward. I love the past. I love history. It's gotten us to where we are today in our nation, in our churches, in your family. But the past is meant to help us today not to hinder us, not to get it to where we go. As we're plowing, anyone ever plowed by hand before? Me neither, all right? (laughs) But a couple of you might have. I know this about plowing. You need a straight line. It needs to be good. And when you plow, if you're looking back, what are you going to naturally do? You ain't going to go straight, are you? It's not going to be a good plow line, is it? No. How about you try this? No, don't try this. Don't try this, right? If you go out and you drive down this road and you look only in your rearview mirror or you're turning around doing this, driving forward with in drive, forward, right? And you're doing this, 
Is it going to be good? No. You're going to end up in a ditch. And we'll laugh at you. <laughs> You're going to end up on the wrong side of the road in a ditch. You're going to end up wrecking. I believe that there are many churches today that are in the process of crashing and burning. Many believers are in the process of crashing and burning today because we only drive looking at the past. And this is a difficult thing. You see, we found what Jesus said in Luke 9, but you ever heard of Lot's wife? Don't look back, just move forward. Get out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And she gets a little bit out and turns around to watch the city burn and to see all of her life, her, her possessions, and guess what? She's no longer there. Gone. How about Israel there at the promised land? Even there in the wilderness on the way to the promised land. And what do they say? It was better back in Egypt. For us, we're never satisfied. We're never content with what God is doing today or what God can do tomorrow. And we always say it was better then. The past then, if you were to ask those then and go back 40, 50, 60 years ago in time, if they were saying things were good then, they weren't. If you want to know, go read some of those books. And they were saying, the world's coming to an end. It's getting bad. Everything is terrible. The church is weak and apathetic. And guess what? They were right then. But we romanticize the past. And there's some great things about it. But it'll keep us from living today. The direction that we're heading in is going to be told from us according to the Bible. You want to know where you're at now, where you have been, where you should go, where we are going? Look to the Bible. Which direction are we headed in now? Unfortunately, personally, for many of us, we're, we're backwards. We're going the wrong way. We're lost in the wilderness. We don't know where to go. We don't know which way is even up. If that's you right now, there's hope. And it's not going to be found in the past or even the future. It can be found right now, today, the day of salvation, looking to Christ. It's going to be found right now. There are three kinds of churches. And I believe three kinds of believers. One, those who are growing. These are the ones who are moving forward. The ones who forget those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You're biblically, faithfully following God every step of the way as He continues to unfold His glorious plan and continues to lead them just as He did Israel in the wilderness and out of Egypt to the promised land. He's doing the same thing for His church today. And those are biblical, faithful churches. We need those. They live today for eternity. They live today for eternity. There's a second group of churches and Christians. These are the plateaued churches and Christians. These are the ones that compromise the future for comfort for today. They're plateaued, holding steady, maybe even potentially growing a little apathetic. Satisfied with the here and now, it's... It's as big as we need it to be. We're reaching as much as we need to be. Everything's fine. As long as the lights are on, the bills are paid, missionaries are sent, preachers pay, all this stuff. Church happens. We're good. There's an awful lot of churches like that. An awful lot of Christians like that that are satisfied with the way they are. I want you to know, I, I'm a pastor. I've been for several years. I've known the Lord for, for, mo, for more than half my life. I, I've got books and resources and all these things. And, and guess what? I, I want more. I want to know Christ more. I want to be used more because we've only just begun. 
only just begun. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, you've just begun. This is just the beginning. Serve and keep pressing forward. We don't need to sit and just hold it steady. And what we've done the past couple years, especially in America, in the Church of America, is like a roller coaster we've just kind of held on. And we're just waiting for the ride to be over with. And I want you to know, that's not what the Great Commission is. The Great Commission does not say, go ye into all the world and have as much comfort as possible. The Great Commission does not say, go you into your own home and don't come out of it and shut yourself up like a hermit and be afraid of everybody and everything. No. The Great Commission does not say, do what you want, be comfortable, and just hold on for dear life until this ride is over. I'm as pre-mill, pre-trib as anybody. I believe that Christ will call us out of here at any time. But guess what? If all we're doing is just holding on for sweet death or the sweet rapture, then we're living wrong. And our churches will not only plateau, but they will decline and die. And long before a church will ever do it, a church will only plateau and then decline only because the believers inside those walls do the same. May we never be satisfied. It would be never satisfied just to hold on and say, I'm just going to hold on and grin and bear it until this is over. My time's done. I'm too old. Or I'm too fed up. Or I've made too many mistakes. Or I've done this. Or I've done... It don't matter. There's the third kind. And it's the declining church. The declining church that only lives, you guessed it, in the past. Holding on to everything. Color a carpet. Better preachers, better looking preachers, <laughs> past victories, past ministries, past impact, past sins, past failures, past splits, past arguments, past you name it. Holding on to everything except for Jesus. And we don't need that neither. Right now, spiritually, your heart is in decline. It's not because Jesus has changed or Jesus is further away. It's because you have changed and you are further away. Christ is still very much there and He desires that you would come unto Him. Honor the past. But don't live there. Pray for the future. But don't live there neither. Live today for eternity. I, I want to be real, real, as real, real as I can possibly be this morning. And I hope that you hear my heart and nothing else. For those who are older, it is easy for those who have followed Christ and those who are older and have been in church for a long time to get to the place where we just hold on until the ride's over. Where we just kind of wait until it's our turn to, to leave this world. And that's wrong of us. We, we, we live so much in the past that we forget how God can use us today. And we forget that there's another generation to train up for the future. And it's our older ones that need to discern the times and go, hey, you know what? The past is past. What's done is done. What's gone is gone. What's happened has happened. Uh, my failures have happened already. I can't change those. My victories have happened. But that, those don't define me. And I've got some young folks that I've got to train and teach. And if, and if they're not there right now, then I've got to go find them. Because i got to prepare them for what's to come and for what they're going to face when they're old and gray like me too. But there's a danger of living in the good old days. And the only good old day 
is this moment and this heart that is beating right now. But then on the other side, and this is for you younger folks out there. Y'all know who you are. You can discern the difference, I hope, right? (laughs) Those who are younger, we live in the future. And that's just as wrong, too. We only live in the future and we say, oh, well, they just don't want to change it, or they just don't want this, or, or they just don't understand. Well, no, they don't understand us, but guess what? We don't understand them neither. I believe that we will. This group that only lives in the past and this group that's younger and only lives in the future would live right here today. And if this group lives for today, for eternity, and this group lives for today, today, for eternity, the gap comes together, don't it? What's important and what really matters comes together, don't it? And then a church and a people and each believer then begins to make an impact and a difference personally and publicly for the glory of God. The present, as David Guzik writes, is where eternity touches now. If you live in your past sins, they'll bind you again. If you live in your past victories, then your pride will crush you now and in your future. Live today. One writes, the runner is not to be congratulated for running three laps well in a four-lap race. Nor does a runner who expects to win a race look behind and back in the effort expanded so far, but instead strains every muscle to reach the finish line. One cannot run well looking backward. In the same way, Paul does not rest on his merits as a zealous Pharisee or as a Christian apostle. We far too often let our past define how we serve God now. We far too often let our past sin keep us from serving God today and for using us in the future because we put ourselves out of the race. Or even our victories will do the same. Pride will swell up. Preference will swell up. And nothing will get done today and our future will be lost. He says then reaching forward to those things which are before. You don't reach forward to the things that are behind you. You reach forward to those things which are in front of you. Right now. Right here. Today. This is the race running picture. He's literally saying in this that every muscle that he's now running harder, running faster, the, to reach forward. Reaching forward literally means to, to lunge forward. You ever seen, a, watch the Olympics and, and they're running, and what do they do? When they get to the finish, like they, they lunge practically diving out with all they can. They don't get to the end and go, I've run three really good, I've been in the lead for three laps. I'll go ahead and stop. Many a Christian who has run three real good laps of their life and they get to their fourth and they think I'm done now. Your race ain't over. Your race is not over. Keep running, keep pressing forward, keep reaching forward, strain with everything that is in you to follow Christ, to pursue Christ, to lay hold of Christ, to know Christ to share Christ. Reaching forward. Straining your muscles. Straining your spiritual muscles, which by now, if you've followed the Lord for years and years, you should be, I mean, spiritually just ripped. You should be muscular spiritually. You should be grown spiritually and not a little babe. Most of us, though, have Christian muscles that are shriveling up and retracting from a lack of use. The reason why you don't know your Bible is because 
you don't read your Bible. The reason why your prayer life is bad is because you don't pray. These are simple things. But what happens to us is we say, well, I, just, I can't start now. It's too late to start now. No. You know when the best time to plant an apple tree is? 20 years ago. Or today. If you've wasted many a year, if you've wasted even a year, if you've wasted a breath, if you've wasted a month, if you've wasted a week, if you've wasted a Sunday from Sunday, don't say it's too late, but now plan it now. Let God grow you and use you. There is no retired Christian. There is no fourth lap race Christian that says, I'm done now running because I made it to the fourth lap. We haven't arrived until we cross the finish line. You are either pressing on or falling behind. Lastly, verse 14 that builds right on this. The right destination. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The wrong destination here first. If your spiritual goal is to get back to how things used to be, then you are saying that you don't want what God has today and tomorrow. God is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. Therefore, God wants to use you today and forevermore. That means God is not done because He ain't dead. He remains God. He remains faithful. He remains true. He remains holy. He remains righteous. He remains just. He remains pure. He remains gracious and merciful to us sinners. And He doesn't let our past define us neither. Why? Because... Praise the Lord, it is under the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, there's now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there is no separation of those who are in Christ Jesus. Who can separate us from the love of God? Nothing, no one from eternity past, present, or future. The right destination is going, God, help me to live today. And you know what you say tomorrow? If tomorrow comes, and you wake up in your bed, and your eyes open up, God, help me to live today. I can't change yesterday. Help me to live today. He says, I press toward, the same idea of pressing toward, the mark. Toward the mark is literally the goal of the finish line. The goal in the finish line is not just to be with past loved ones who have gone on. It's to be with Christ. It's not just to see the splendor of heaven, but it's to see the true splendor of heaven, and that is Christ. To be with Christ is the finish line. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize. Jesus is the prize. Not even the glories of heaven itself. Jesus is the rewarder and the reward. And it will be worth it after all. He says of the high calling of God. In context of the high call, it literally means to come up to the judge's seat to receive rewards. You're not there yet. One day, he'll call us to come up and receive our rewards, but until then, we keep running. We keep pressing forward. Forgetting those things which are behind, not letting them affect us, not letting them control us, not letting them define us. We live today for eternity. Christ see us through the high calling of God in Christ Jesus Hebrews chapter 12 tells us this 
Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You knew you could really personalize this, couldn't you? Let us lay aside every weight and sin that I've ever done in my past. Let me lay aside every good thing I've ever done at church or in my home. Let me lay aside every victory I've ever had. Let me lay aside every pride uh, that has swelled up in me. Let me lay aside every sin. Let me lay aside everything. Let me lay aside everything that is gone that does so easily beset us. It means makes it hard to run today. There's many today who aren't running today because they've let the past drag on. We often say, bring your burden to the Lord, and we do, and then we pick it back up again. And many of us are walking around with suitcases full of sin and backpacks full of unbelief. Weighed down. Let us run with patience, endurance, the race that is set before us. Looking not to my past, not to where I've been, not to where this church has been, not even to just the the future, not even to, you know where you're to look today? Looking, it's active, constantly, continuously looking unto Jesus, the author, that's the beginner, the writer, and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand the throne of God. He is the author and finisher. Look to Christ. And as Paul told us in Philippians chapter 1, being confident of this very thing. Confident means confident. To be assured. To be trusting. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, First of all, dear, dear soul that's here today it doesn't know Christ, have you been captured by the Gospel? I'd say not yet, but right now you could be. God has come, and He has come for you, and He has offered you eternal life, all you can do, and there is nothing that you can do to receive it except for turn from your sins, forgetting that which is behind, and looking unto Jesus who will begin this good work of faith in you and will complete it. Put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone and be ye saved. Those of you who are already saved and been saved for so long that you forgot what it was like the moment you got saved, this is for you as well. Forget those things which are behind. Those things that affect you, that, those things that weigh you down, those things that distract you, those things that keep you from serving and living for the Lord, those things that steal your joy, those things that steal your peace. Reach forward to Christ. Get a hold of Jesus. Have you stopped running? Have you given up on the fourth lap and said, well, my time's done. Don't quit. Will you keep pressing on? We said earlier that we must honor the past, live for the present, and pray for our future. I want you to know that Jesus has saved us from our past. Jesus has empowered us for our present. Jesus is preparing us for our future. You are not done yet. You are not done yet. 
Victory Way Baptist Church is not done yet. God is not done yet. Press on. Let's all stand this morning. Piano is going to play, and this altar's open. And it's open now. You don't got to wait for it to open up shop with the song playing. If you need Christ, come and receive Him. If you need help today and you know Christ, come and receive that help. Today, would you come and lay aside that weight, that sin, that burden? Would you lay aside those things which are in the past? Would you reach forward to Christ today? Press on. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time. We thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the work in hearts today. God, I pray that You would use us. May we seek You. May we forget those things which are behind and press forward to You. May You be the purpose behind everything that we do, behind everything that we say, behind our whole life. May Your glory be the goal of all things. Help us to keep running. Help us to encourage one another to run. Help us to challenge one another to run. Help us to teach one another to run. And help us to be pliable and submissive to you and your will and your word. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Joy to the world, hymn number 270. Psalm 98, verse 4 and part of verse 9. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth, for he cometh. Joy to the world.
kissed. Thank you.